0: Hey, it's Alan, and I just wanted to let you know that you can now listen to the ongoing history of new music early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. If you are a professional musician, that is, you're being paid to write and perform music and can actually make a living from it, you're part of an infinitesimally small quintile of people who are able to do that. You are living the dream. This, in fact, may be the only career you've ever known. You've never had a real job. Maybe you've had a chance to see the world because of music. And if you love what you're doing and the money works, you want this to go on forever. But here's the truth. It probably won't. At some point, the music stops. It might not be your fault. I mean, the music industry moves fast. One day, you've got it all figured out, working from immediate deadline to immediate deadline and from gig to gig. The money's coming in. The fans are there. And then everything stops. Maybe it happens quickly. Or maybe it happens slowly, then all at once. Music changes, the industry changes, trends change, technology changes, fans change. And what you offer, what you can do, may no longer be in demand. It's like Captain Jean-Luc Picard has said, you can do everything right and still lose. That's not weakness, that's life. All right, so what's next? If you exit the world of music, be it voluntarily or by force, what do you do next? Maybe it's best to study what some other musicians have done to transition from rock star to civilian life. This is a look at examples of life after music. This is the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. Career opportunity, the one and never Every job they offer used to keep you at the dock. Career opportunity, the one and never. Clash from their debut album in 1977. The song is Career Opportunities. And if you look at the liner notes, someone named Tori Crimes is listed as the drummer. His real name is Terry Chimes. He was in The Clash a couple of times in 1976 and for a period in 1977, which was long enough for him to appear on that first record. Crimes Chimes was later replaced by Topper Heaton in mid-1977, but was drafted in again in 1982 and 1983 to replace Topper but left a third time and was replaced by Topper. Yeah, it's confusing. That was not the end of his music career, though. He had gigs with Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers, Gen X, Hanoi Rocks, and a group called the Cherry Bombs. And then he found work with Black Sabbath in the late 1980s. How's was that for a transition? Clash to Sabbath. And he also worked in Billy Idol's band for a while, which is quite the resume, you got to admit. But after a while, Terry had had enough. It was time to find something new and perhaps a little less unpredictable. Terry always had a passion for biology, medicine, and healing. As a hard-hitting drummer, he was well acquainted with the toll that kind of career takes on the body. So he became interested in therapeutic massage and chiropractic medicine. So much so that by 1994, he'd retired from music and opened a chiropractic clinic in Essex. That one location has expanded to a chain of clinics. He started to give chiropractic clinics and lectures on alternative medicine. And if that's not enough, Dr. Chimes experienced a spiritual awakening around the turn of the millennium, prompting a strong devotion to Catholicism and working with the Catholic Church. Again, this is a guy who came up through the grittiest bands of punk and played with Black Sabbath. Nice transition to civilian life. Hello again, I'm Alan Cross, and that's what this show is all about, what famous musicians have done once they're done with music. They may not have left everything behind, but they've all, for the most part, moved on to having lives much more normal than being in a band, making records, and touring the planet. If you have a few hits under your belt, then they may generate enough income for you to basically retire without having to find another job. But you got to do something with your time, Right. And if you don't have any sort of royalty or licensing checks coming in, well, then you have to find a job. Since we're on the topic of the church, let's consider the left turn taken by Richard Coles. Growing up, he was a choir boy before moving on to theater. That eventually led to a job playing keyboards for the groundbreaking gay-positive band Bronsky Beat in the early 80s. When singer Jimmy Somerville left to form the Communards, Coles went with him, serving as the keyboardist in that band, too. That work led to work as an actor, a writer, a radio host. The entire time, though, he was studying theology. He was ordained a priest in the Anglican Church and served as a vicar until his retirement in 2022. Here's a bit of Richard Cole's Playing with the Communards from 1986. The original was by Harold Melvin in the Blue Notes in 1975, but then Thelma Houston turned it into a big disco hit in 1976. You probably recognize it. Now let's take the case of Blur drummer, Dave Roundtree. He's fantastically lucky because he's been able to plant a foot in both worlds, rock star and successful civilian worker. Dave has always been into space, astronomy, rockets, exploration, that kind of thing. In 1998, he and bandmate Alex James got a tour of the NASA facilities in Houston. Upon returning to the UK, they learned all they could about the European Space Agency and their project to send a probe to Mars. They spent the next few years helping to raise money and doing PR for what was known as the Mars Express mission, which carried a Mars lander called Beagle 2. Now, unfortunately, the mission failed when the craft crashed seconds before touchdown. But the probe did carry a recording made by Blur, a special instrumental call sign that was supposed to sing out once the probe successfully touched down. Earth never received that transmission because of the crash, but it is possible that the piece was played anyway. It's just that the antenna wasn't facing the right direction, so it might have been broadcast to a bunch of rocks and dust. Whatever the case, Blur was the first band to put music on Mars. But back to Dave and his proper day job. During Blur's hiatus in the early aughts, Dave decided he wanted to be a solicitor, which is a type of lawyer in the U.K., He ended up working in the criminal department of a law firm, and he worked as an activist for American prisoners on death row. Plus, he worked on a campaign that fought against the persecution of people who illegally shared music online, which is kind of interesting for a musician. He ran for political office three times for the Labor Party. He was 0-3. But in 2017, he did get elected as a county counselor. All right, what else? Dave is a former cocaine addict who now works with a charity that helps formulate humane drug policies. He's raised money for Syrian refugees. He's a computer animator with an ownership stake in an animation company called Nanomotion. And this goes with his contributions to three research papers on computer graphics. Oh, and he has both his private pilot's license and an amateur radio license. Blur is still a going concern, of course. But when that ride finally, finally comes to an end, Dave Roundtree has plenty to fall back on, if he wants. No other way. No other way. Another guy who has created a backup plan for his music career is Ivan Moody, the frontman for the Las Vegas band Five Finger Death Punch. He's already something of a serial entrepreneur. His first venture was a CBD company called Moody's Medicinals. Not uncommon. Many musicians have interests in cannabis companies. But then he moved to Cheyenne, Wyoming to open a gas station called Moody's Rock Stop on West Pershing Boulevard. You can fill up, buy snacks, and stock up on bait. But that's actually part of a wider project that includes Sierra Corral, an outpatient facility for people who have addiction and mental health issues. And now that you know that, the lyrics from this 2020 song called A Little Bit Off make a lot more sense, don't they? See, I'm a little bit off today. I cannot put my finger on it. Got up a little off today just to play that same old song. I don't really want to try today. I see nothing in my reflection. I'm a little bit dry today. I feel like I could die today. I'm a little bit today. When we come back, more jobs for former rock stars. Did Avril die? Was she replaced by a doppelganger? I'm Joanne McNally, and I'm doing a deep dive into a notorious internet conspiracy. Who replaced Avril Lavigne? Listen wherever you get your podcasts. What do you do when the music stops? Is there life after rock? Well, there certainly can be. Take the case of Dan Spitz. After playing in a few other bands, he joined Thrash Metal King's Anthrax in 1983 as a lead guitarist. He was with the band for the next 15 years before he decided that he'd had enough and he was ready to dedicate his life to horology. Wait, wait, stop. No, it's not what you're thinking. Horology is the study making and repairing of timepieces. Dave loves luxury watches. He won a full scholarship to a Swiss watchmaking school, becoming certified as a mechanical complications specialist and earning various degrees involving micro-mechanical engineering. That led him to opening his own watch service, and then as an instructor for Chopard, one of Switzerland's most prestigious watchmakers. They make really expensive stuff. Dave rejoined Anthrax a couple of times, and at last, Word is still with the band, even though he had a massive heart attack in 2009 that nearly killed him. He's also a proselytizing Christian, Messianic Jew, and support causes related to autism. Then we have Robert Dean. In the late 70s and early 80s, he was a member of Japan, one of the more interesting British post-punk bands. Robert was the band's lead guitarist for the first three albums, but then started getting pushed aside as Japan started exploring more electronic sounds. When he quit, he had no idea what he was going to do. There were studio gigs with Gary Newman and ABC and Peter Gabriel. He played on Sinead O'Connor's debut album, The Wine and the Cobra, and co-wrote the song I Want Your Hands on Me with her, which performed well as a single. And there were other assorted projects, but we haven't heard much from Robert since the early 90s, as far as music goes. That's because he's become an acclaimed illustrator of birds. He moved to Costa Rica to decompress and indulge in his love of wildlife. That's when he started watching the birds of the jungle very closely. He started painting them. And now he lives in Monteverde, Costa Rica, as an established and admired professional ornithology writer and artist contributing to a number of field guides for scientists and bird watchers. There's an interesting career change. Let's hear something from Robert in Japan. This is from the 1978 album Adolescent Sex. Great record. And if you want to know more, just be very, very careful of how you Google that One of my favorite bands of the Britpop era was Elastica. They started making noises in 1994 and featured Justine a former member of an early version of Suede. When Elastica's debut album was released in March 1995, it became the fastest-selling debut album in the history of the UK. Big chart success. Worldwide sales north of a million. Plenty of radio airplay. Tons of awards. They were nominated for the Mercury Prize. And Justine hooked up with Damon Albarn of Blur, and together acted as the first couple of the whole Britpop scene. But then things got hairy with drugs and intra-band relationships. It seemed that everyone in Elastica was too strung out and too angry with each other to come up with enough material for a second album. So fans waited, and waited, and waited. Finally, a record called The Menace showed up in the spring of 2000. But by then, it was far too late. Britpop had died off years earlier, the songs weren't there, and sales were, well, dismal. So Alaska did the proper and mature thing and announced a mostly amicable breakup. Most of the members stayed in music, in some capacity, except Justine and guitarist Donna Matthews. She, too, went into the church, becoming a pastor and works a lot with outreach to the homeless. Justine kept a toe in music, helping to develop the career of her one-time roommate, MIA. She also pivoted to television, hosting two series for the BBC on architecture. Her dad was a big architect, and she studied architecture for a while before bailing for a career in music. In 2005, she moved to Colorado, where she enrolled in a master's program in a small Buddhist inspired university to learn everything she could about visual arts. It turned out that she really liked living in the States. No one knew who she was, and unlike the UK, there wasn't someone always around digging into her personal life. So she decided to stay in America. Now, Freshman is an acclaimed painter living in San Francisco. I think, and is married to a meteorologist named Professor Ian Faluna. This was one of five singles that were hits from the first Elastica album in 1995. <laughs> What else have people decided to do, or at least in addition to a full-time music career? Okay, neo-soul singer Erica Badu became a qualified doula in 2011. She's helped deliver more than 50 babies. I love this one. Jeff Skunk Baxter was a killer guitarist with both Steely Dan and the Doobie Brothers back in the 1970s. But one day, he got to talking to his neighbor, who was a retired engineer who had worked on Sidewinder missiles for the American military. Baxter became fascinated by the subject and threw himself into the whole thing. He noticed that there were some similarities between high-end recording studio gear and some of the technology and hardware used by the military, and that included things like large-capacity digital storage devices and data compression algorithms. That led to a paper, he wrote, on how the U.S. Navy could turn its offensive Aegis missile system into a defensive one it made it to his congressman who passed it up the chain. And that sparked enough interest that Baxter was called in to consult on various military matters as an expert. Remember Ronald Reagan's Star Wars initiative? Baxter was part of that. Spy satellites? Baxter, the fight against terrorism? He's been involved in that too. And here's another one of my favorite career switches. Jim Martin was the guitarist with Faith No More during their run in the late 80s and early 90s. But by 1993, things weren't going so great, so he was fired and hasn't been back since. Instead, what he's done is developed a passion for, wait for it, growing giant pumpkins at his home in Castro Valley, California. He's grown pumpkins competitively, which is a real thing in some circles. He says it was a gardening experiment. He had some seeds he found at his local hardware store, He had an open patch of yard. He had some time on his hands, so he started growing giant pumpkins in 2000. And we're talking about extreme pumpkins. In 2005, he grew a gourd that officially weighed in at 1,087 pounds. He didn't win that particular competition, but it was close. And at one point, he was named one of the five best giant pumpkin growers in America. Here's Jim from Faith No More their biggest hit from an album called The Real Thing in 1989. A few more interesting post-rock careers coming up. Here are a few more career pivots by musicians. The music career is over, so now what? If you remember the Thompson Twins, that British techno-pop outfit from the 80s, percussionist Alana Curry is an arthouse upholsterer. She helps create exotic and insanely expensive pieces of furniture. Going back to the 90s, there was a British band called Shed 7. Drummer Alan Leach left the group and opened a recording studio. But then he realized his true passion was trivia. So he started hosting pub quizzes. This led to the establishment of Speed Quizzing, a company co-founded with his brother that develops and sells smartphone pub quiz software. That same software was later adopted and adapted for remote learning for schools during COVID. Brian Cox was a member of a dance act called Dream. When he was playing keyboards with them, he studied physics at the University of Manchester. When the band died in 1997, He continued with his education, earning a doctorate in philosophy and working with high-energy particle physics. His thesis was Double Diffraction Dissociation at Large Momentum Transfer, which sounds like an awful lot of fun. Since then, he's been a full-on physicist, even working at CERN's Large Hadron Collider in Switzerland. Brian has held some very prestigious scientific chairs, written a number of books, and has done plenty of hosting for science shows on the BBC. Then there's Russell Sr. He was a member of Pulp starting in 1980, serving as a guitarist and violinist. He was with them at their Britpot Peak. But then he soured on the whole thing and was greatly annoyed that singer Jarvis Pulp was getting all the attention, so he quit. There have been a few musical projects since then, but Russell has devoted most of his attention to writing books and musicals. And the last I heard, he was living in Sheffield and had a side hustle as a dealer in antique glassware. That common, is it? You want to live like common people? You want to see what common people see? Want to sleep with common people? You want to sleep with common people like me? But she didn't understand. She just smiled. My Here are a few more post music careers. After public enemy DJ Terminator X had a bad motorcycle accident. He withdrew to North Carolina, where he became an ostrich farmer. When Bruce Dickinson took a break from Iron Maiden, he got his commercial airline pilot's license. He's rated to fly 747s and sometimes does. He's been the captain of Ed Force One, Iron Maiden's chartered jet for when they tour. Jethro Tull's leading man, Ian Anderson, became a fish farmer. He raises salmon in the Scottish islands. He's still making music, but he really does like raising fish. And you have to give props to Bill Berry of R.E.M. He was a founding member of the band while in pre-law at the University of Georgia in Athens. Over the years, he also played a variety of instruments and co-wrote hits like Everybody Hurts and Man on the Moon, among others. Then came a transformative moment on March 1, 1995, when he suffered a brain aneurysm on stage while he was in the middle of singing some falsetto background vocals to a song called Tongue. Emergency brain surgery and months of healing followed. Bill rejoined the band later in the year, but things just weren't the same. Here's a quote. I didn't wake up one day and decide I just can't stand these guys anymore or anything. I feel like I'm ready for a life change. I'm still young enough that I can do something else. I've been pounding the tub since I was nine years old. I'm ready to do something else. And so in November 1997, it was announced that Bill was stepping away from the group. I'm at a point in my life where my priorities have shifted, he said. I loved my 17 years with R.E.M., but I'm ready to move on to a different phase of my life. Okay, so what would that phase involve? Gentleman Farmer Bill retired to a hay farm in Watkinsville, Georgia, at the end of a long lane off Old Farmington Road. He and his girlfriend bought the 60-acre property in the late 1980s when they both became alarmed at how crack was being entrenched in Athens. paid about $2,000 an acre with the idea of this being an investment. The thinking was he would later flip the land for a profit. But then he really got into rural life. He spent some time driving around in a tractor, and the farm also came with some sheep, which he really liked looking after. These days, a caretaker looks after most everything on the farm. About the only thing Bill does is sometimes tend to a garden on the property. He's generally kept a low profile all these years and seems to be really, really happy. Here's another Bill Berry co-writing. One more life after rock story, although this guy has jumped back into music. Econoline Crush came out of Vancouver in the early 1990s, headed up by frontman Trevor Hurst. They had a solid 10-year run before breaking up in 2002. Whatever the case, they returned in 2006 to record and play sporadically. But that only paid so many bills. And with four kids, it was time to get serious about money. So in 2011, Trevor went back to school at the age of 45. He'd always been interested in psychology. Plus, he'd had his share of alcohol and addiction demons over the years. So he enrolled in a psychiatric nursing program at Brandon University. When he graduated, Trevor found that he really didn't fit in with the local health authority. And that's when a friend pointed him towards a job at Kanupawaka, a Dakota community in southwest Manitoba. They'd been looking for someone to help him out for two years. Trevor became deeply involved in the community's indigenous culture, spending several years there. A documentary called Flatlander covers his experience. He also became an instructor for two semesters, teaching the fundamentals of nursing. When a Caroline Crush was seriously reactivated and started getting back to work, Trevor had to quit his nurse gig. He still loves the work. So will he go back? Hey, you know, the music thing just can't last forever, right? Like you like. If you're a musician... It's got to be really, really hard to face retirement. After years of being immersed in music, performing, touring, and everything else that lifestyle entails, for everything to just stop must be incredibly weird and unsettling, especially when a normal retirement isn't a choice. Maybe you come to the end of the line with your record label. You know, music trends change and leave you behind. The band falls apart. Health issues intervene. It's time to spend more time with the family. Or maybe you just lose your passion for it. Few give up music entirely. They might teach, play the occasional gig with friends, work as Texan roadies, get jobs with events like festivals, get involved with music industry organizations, and make music for themselves at home. Others, as we've seen, go in entirely different directions. Rapper Vanilla Ice renovates and flips houses. MC Hammer became a pastor. Original Smashing Pumpkins bass player Darcy Eretzky has a horse farm. Lenny Kravitz continues to make music, but is also a condo developer and an interior designer with projects all over the world. At the very least, you need something to do with your life, right? And like I've been saying, the music just can't last forever, can it? There are hundreds of programs like this on dozens and dozens of topics available as podcasts. Go to any podcast platform and download as many as you can handle. If you have any comments or questions, look me up at alan at alancross.ca. Or you can head to my website, a com, which is updated with music news and information every single day. Plus, there's always Facebook, X, Threads, Instagram, and whatever other social media platform is in vogue at the moment. Oh, and don't forget about my true crime and music podcast called Uncharted, Crime and Mayhem in the Music Industry. It's available everywhere, too. Technical Productions by Rob Johnston. I'll talk to you next time. I'm Alan Cross.